Let's uh, turn in God's Word now to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9. This, this morning, reading verses 27 through 31. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 37 through, or 27 through 31. God's people, let's pray and ask for the Lord's help. Father, thank You for speaking to us. Thank You that You give us Your Son who speaks on high. Even, uh, Father, we ask that You would bless Your people, that Your name would be exalted, that Christ would be glorified as we consider Him once again in the Gospel. Of Matthew. And Father, may He be our Savior and grant us faith to believe. And uh, Father, we pray as well that the one that you speak through, that you would humble him and that you would grant the unction of your Spirit and you would give him the tongue of a ready writer and that your name would be glorified. And you would be magnified, not him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 27. These are God's words. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind man came to him, and Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame, in all that country. And those are God's words. Jesus has brought healing to the bodies of uh, many and the souls of many. The woman, remember we heard uh, a few weeks ago, the woman with the bloody issue believed and was healed. Jairus believed. And even when his daughter had died, he believed. In Jesus, he trusted Jesus to heal his daughter, especially when tempted by those professional mourners around him and his servants that she was dead. And Jesus was laughed to scorn, just as he was on the cross where he died, because Jesus told Jairus, Be not afraid, only believe. And Jesus went in and raised up His daughter to life. She had no breath, no heartbeat, so that she breathed. Jesus raised her up again, so that she breathed and her heart beat again. You see, friends, this is a good introduction to the passage we have before us this morning. Because it is the same. When you were dead... 
in your sins and trespasses, it's, it's all over, right? That's what the people who came out, the servants came out to Jairus saying. It's all over. There's no reason for Jesus to come anymore to heal her before she was on the point of death or on the brink of death, and now she had died. It's all over. There's nothing that can be done. Could, could the daughter at that time raise herself up and live? What if Jesus allowed her a little bit of grace to decide whether to believe in Him or not, and so then she could somehow do something and live? No. That's ridiculous, right? She's dead. She's dead. Only the greatest miracle performed could make her alive. Could make her breathe again. Could make her heart beat again. And Jesus took her who was dead and raised her to life. And so it is with our souls. There are some of your hearts that are dead and souls dead today. Dead in your trespasses and sins. Dead. You can breathe in your body, but your soul and your heart is dead. And do you think you can make yourself alive? You can't make yourself alive in your soul. You need to be, as we learn in John 3, you need to be born again. You need to be born from above. You need, in other words, you need to be born. You need to be made alive, as we learn in Ephesians 2. Those who are dead in their trespasses and sins. He made alive. Who here can make one who is dead alive? Can anyone here make someone who is dead alive? Children, can someone here make someone who is dead alive? No one. You cannot take someone who is dead and make them alive. You think that you, you can do that to yourself and your soul? What an absurdity to think that you who are dead can make yourself alive. No, God, in Christ, by His Holy Spirit, takes the soul, the heart that is dead, right? It's dead. He takes the soul that is dead and He makes it alive. That's Ezekiel 36. That's John 3. That's Ephesians 2. That's the passage before us today. And the passage that we heard last Lord's Day. He makes them alive. He gives them life. He gives them a new will, a new desire. And people then believe on Him and are justified. Justified by faith alone. Romans 8, it is God that justifieth. Who is He that condemneth? Justification is the opposite, friends, of condemnation. Condemnation is being declared guilty, guilty, guilty. But justification is being declared not guilty and being declared righteous. And who does the declaring? 
God does. God justifies, friends. It is God that justifieth. The final judge is God, Jehovah. And how does God judge? He justifies guilty sinners on the basis of Christ's work of obedience and His atonement, His death and condemnation for all who believe on Him. It says, It is Christ that died, ye rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. It's because Jesus Christ kept God's law perfectly. And in other words, He kept, as we heard this morning in Sabbath school, He kept the covenant of works where we all did not keep the covenant of works and we broke His law. We broke His law perfectly. We could say it that way. There's nothing we did that was righteous at all. So we broke it. And it's He, Jesus Christ, who kept it perfectly. He bore the punishment of the transgressions of the law. He bore the punishment that we deserved. The wrath of God that we deserve. On that basis, Christ justifies sinners. And all who believe are justified. That He might be, Romans says again, that He might be the just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. And so those who believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and rest and rely upon Him alone in His redeeming work, those are who are justified by God. They are declared and constituted legally not guilty Righteous in His sight. And so justification is being declared righteous, whereas sanctification is being made righteous. And those are two distinct things. Who are those who are justified? The miracle of healing once again sets down before us in the physical, the spiritual truth that it is only those who believe who are justified. And that's not to diminish the physical. We are being shown that Jesus loves the body of His people, the bodies of His people. And He's given them those bodies and He heals those bodies because He loves them. But He doesn't just love their bodies, He loves their souls. The first point this morning, faith without sight. Faith without sight, verse 27, it says, And when Jesus departed thence, Two blind men followed Him, crying and saying, Thou Son of David, have mercy on us. Now, first thing we we see, friends, is that these men needed help. They were blind. They could not see. Can the blind heal themselves and give themselves sight? No. No. They can't see. And kids, did these two blind men see the miracles Jesus did? No, they don't have eyes. They can't see. They're blind, right? They didn't see any of these miracles that we've read about that that Jesus did. And so they're very much like all of us. 
They're blind. They can't see. But they followed Jesus nonetheless. Because what? They had heard of the miracles He had done. They only knew Jesus by the reports of others. And what others were saying about Jesus and testifying rightly and truly about Him. And so just like all of us here today, they only heard about Jesus from someone else testifying about Him. And, as we are today, from His Word. They knew who He was. They knew what He had done. But they had not seen. And yet they believed. Had not seen, and yet believed. Remember Hebrews 11? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. They had not seen. Yet believe. We often see in our society, well, seeing is believing. No. They were seeking after Christ, and yet they could not see. They couldn't even see Him to follow Him. Do you understand that those who seek after Christ will find a way to Him? They can't even see Him. Close your eyes. They can't see Him with their eyes. How are they supposed to follow Him? They found a way. Now you ask, well, how can anyone seek after Christ? It says Romans 3. There are none that seek after God. Of course, right? That's exactly right. No one except those whom, John 6, those whom He draws to Himself. And those whom He draws to Himself come to Him. How could these blind men who can't see Jesus have not seen His miracles come to Jesus? Because He draws them. Praise God for that. That's the same thing He does with our souls. How can we who are, have dead souls seek after Christ and follow Him and believe on Him? Because He draws us to Himself. And all who come to Him, seeking after Him, will find Him. And every single one who finds Him is received by Him, as we've already learned in Matthew chapter 9. And so, the great encouragement today is to come unto Him by faith. Come unto Him, just like these two blind men. You don't know anything about Him. You know just a little bit about Him. You don't know every single thing He is and what He's done. doesn't matter. They didn't either. Come to Him and find Him. They're blind. And they're seeking after them. They're blind. And, and many are surrounding Jesus, right? There's, the crowds are still surrounding Him. But just like the woman with the bloody issue, and here they were blind. They still found a way to get to Jesus. All those who seek after Christ will find a way to Him and He will receive them. And they found a way to get close enough to cry out so He could hear them. And they cried out, Thou Son of David, have mercy on us. Those who are sincere and serious in seeking Christ and, and seeking mercy from Him will not be hindered in their coming to Him. There, 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 there could be any obstacle 
from their crying uh, uh, out for mercy to Him, but that would not stop them from finding Him. These men didn't just hear about all Jesus' miracles and conclude that He could heal them too. It wasn't just like uh, many of the Jews that are described in John's Gospel, especially that they just followed Him because of the miracles. These men did not. They didn't follow Him just because He could heal them of their blindness. They did believe that He could heal them of their blindness, but that's not only what they believed. Their faith was in one greater than merely a miracle worker sent from God. They believed based on the reports they heard and knowing the many prophecies found in the Scriptures, some of which we're singing today, some of which we read today. They knew Jesus was the Messiah. They knew He was the Christ, the Anointed One who was to come, the Promised One in the Old Testament. Because they cried out, Thou Son of David. That language of Son of David indicates they knew that He was the Promised One, the Messiah. That He is the Christ, Matthew 21. And the multitudes that went before and that cried followed, cried saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Matthew 21, they knew this was Christ the Messiah. They quote in Matthew 21, crying out to the Son of David. Psalm 18. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. That's what they quoted. Who are they crying out about? The promised one. The psalm was referring to the Messiah. To Jesus. The Jews believed because of the Scriptures that the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Christ, would come from the line of David, the Son of David. And so in Matthew 21, again a few verses later, in what we just read, it says, And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that He did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, they were sore displeased and said unto Him, Hearest thou what these say? You understand, they're really upset because they hear the children crying out and praising Jesus as the Messiah. And so they're really angry because they hate Jesus. They're hostile to Jesus. And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? Right? The Lord Jesus, quoting from Psalm 8, in defense of these children who are praising Him and crying out to Him, Hosanna to the Son of David. The chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, they knew they were calling Him the Christ of God, that He is the Christ, and that's why they are sore displeased, furious, because they did not believe themselves. And then you get the next chapter, Matthew 22. It says, While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is He? Jesus is asking the Pharisees, Who is the Christ? Whose son is He? And they answered, They say unto Him, The son of David. They know. He saith unto them, Jesus back to them, 
How then doth David in, in spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Psalm 110, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then call him Lord, how is he his son? And no man was able to answer him a word, neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. Because they knew if they answered one way that he would respond and say, well, I'm the Christ. Well, they're not going to answer that way. And if they answered the other way, they're contradicting themselves. And they're what they believe, what the Scripture clearly says. And so Jesus initiates, He asks them the question, who's the Son of David, or who's Christ the Son of? And they give the answer, it's the Son of David. Because they know the Scriptures. The Pharisees know the Scriptures. And so Jesus quotes Psalm 110. If Christ is the Son of David, why did David call Him Lord? The answer is, of course, that Jesus is the God-man Redeemer and is the Son of David in the flesh. He is Lord and He's also the, he's the Son of God because He is also God manifested in the flesh. He's declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. So He is the Son of David as to His human nature. And the Son of God manifests in the flesh. And these two blind men are crying out with that language. Thou Son of David, Messiah, Christ, have mercy on us. And they recognize that this was Him. That's why they're crying out to Him for mercy. They know and they believe that the Messiah, the only one, the Christ, had come. We're going to sing in Psalm 146 about Him again, that He heals the blind. He gives sight to them. Because that's what the Messiah has promised to do. One of the things that He's promised to do. Only those who have a great sense of need of Christ will ever, ever truly seek Him. The blind men cried out because they knew and they believed that they had before them the Messiah and they needed mercy. But they couldn't see and yet they found a way to Him. But those who see no need of Him will never seek Him. You say it's obvious that these guys both blind. Of course they had a need. Of course they knew their need. They're blind, right? But sinners have an immense need of Christ, and yet they don't see it. Unless that need is awakened in them by God the Holy Spirit. Those who think they're good will never see their need of Christ who came to save the bad or the sinner. And so the gospel being addressed to all sinners, freely offered to all sinners, it will be seen at best as a pleasant song to those who have never seen themselves as a guilty, hell-deserving sinner. Sounds good. But if you don't see that you, by your many sins, deserve to go to hell forever, that the gospel will mean, then the gospel will mean nothing to you, and Christ will mean nothing to you, and and you do not trust in Him, and you do not come to Him that you might have life. Why would you? Because you don't see a need for Him. 
But the gospel will be seen as good news to those who have seen their guilt because of their sins and they have despaired of finding any help from anywhere else but in Him. Good news it is to those that Christ came into the world to save sinners. And these blind men encouraged one another in that they cried. For they weren't only about themselves. They knew Christ can save all. And in particular here, they can save, He can save us. The two men, He can save us. Thou Son of David, have mercy on us. And so they, together they cried to Him. They aren't like the, the self-righteous who don't enter the kingdom uh, themselves and also hinder those who would try to go in. They're not like that. Their faith is a faith without sight. The kingdom themselves is theirs. Because it's a faith without sight. They believe based upon the promises of God in the Scriptures. On the promises of God. The testimony of Jesus that they had heard. And lining up with those promises. And they knew and they believed that He would have mercy upon them despite the many hindrances that they had. They recognized Him as the Christ. And so they call out to Him for mercy as they needed mercy. Not just in their body, but in their souls. The second point this morning, a precise faith. A precise faith. Verse 28. And when He was come into the house, the blind man came to Him, and Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto Him, Yea, Lord. They pleaded with Jesus Christ to have mercy. To have mercy upon them. But Jesus demands of them more precision in their faith. There must be in your faith, not a general faith, but a precise, specific object of your faith. There are many with a, in the church, there are many with a general faith that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God. Many in the church have a vague idea that somehow Christ has something to do with something called salvation. But if you press them, everything they speak about in regards to Jesus Christ, salvation, and the gospel, if you question them and ask them more details, really what you'll find is that their understanding is very hazy or cloudy. It's very general. Not precise. It's very impersonal, too. As well, friends, they have never personally sought after Christ Jesus to save them of their personal sins, uh, their real sin, their real guilt, and the condemnation that they deserve. They don't talk about, any about anything about that. But if you ask them, do you believe? Yes, of course I believe. I have a great faith, they'll say. A real relationship with Jesus Christ. But if you have a true faith, you'll say, I don't have a great faith. I have a great Savior. And my what I have is a poor, feeble faith. But those who say they have a great faith, and you, you probe further, what is that faith? It is this. It amounts to some idea that Jesus is the Christ. That He's the Son of God. 
that he, they are committed to going to church regularly, and perhaps that's all of it. That's it. He saved me from my sins. That's not saving faith. And those who have that very general faith in Jesus are not Christians. Maybe that's you. Not a Christian. Very general faith. You don't really know details of what Jesus did or why you need salvation or why you need faith. You just say, I believe. But not these men, friends. Not to exalt them. But not these men. These two blind men had a sense of need and Christ calls them to express a precise faith that they had and needed to have. To express a faith that is in Jesus Christ and His total ability to save them and show mercy to them. Why does He need to show mercy? Because they're great sinners. And because of their great sin, what have we learned? That blindness is showing forth that they are guilty. Except in Christ. What does Jesus ask of them? He says, believe ye that I am able to do this? It's very specific and precise as to Jesus' ability. That I am able to do this. Sinners must come to Christ being assured and convinced that He alone is able to save to the uttermost those who come unto God by Him. Why is He able? Why is Jesus Christ the Messiah Messiah, able to save sinners? Sinners who will be damned forever into hell unless He saves them. Sometimes people in the church have learned a few phrases. They can say, Christ died for sinners. But if you press them and you ask them, what did Christ do? Why is Christ's death so important? Why does it have to, what does it have to do with the saving of sinners? And what you'll find is that they, they have no clue. They learn the phrases. They don't know why Christ's death is important at all or why the cross has anything to do with the salvation of sinners. It just does. But they've learned to say it, to save. But they don't know why Christ's death on the cross was necessary and what it has to do with being saved. In Hebrews 7, it says, But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. The first reason why Christ is able to save sinners to the uttermost is because He ever lives. He ever lives. He has an unchangeable priesthood. He's at the right hand of God to intercede for His people. He intercedes based upon what He has done. Not what upon what you have done. He does not intercede for you because of what you do. He intercedes for you because of what He did and what He does. Right? And what He has done for His people once for all on the cross. A few verses later in Hebrews, "...who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for His own sins, and then for the people's. For this He did once 
when He offered up Himself. He was the final sacrifice. Christ is the final sacrifice. For who? For His own sins? No, He's without sin. It's for the sins of those who believe on Him. All who believe on Him. Their sins, their guilt, their condemnation, the wrath of God due to them for their sins. For all who believe. Christ died for all those sins. Every single one. Once for all. And so why is the Lord Jesus able to take away not just my sins, but even the guilt of my sin and the condemnation of my sins? And then also, because of His perfect righteousness, He grants me eternal life. Eternal life. Because if Jesus merely died for your sins, but did not keep the law perfectly, you still die in hell. Because you have to be perfectly righteous before God. Why is the Lord Jesus able to take away the guilt of sinful men and women and children? Why is He the mediator between God and men? Why is He the Savior that we need and must have to be accepted before God? It's because at the cross of Calvary He was sparing the righteous wrath and judgment of God upon sin and those who trust in Him and His redeeming work. His keeping God's law, His bearing the punishment for our sins, is credited to all their account, those who believe on Him, that punishment bearing is credited to their account, and that law keeping is credited to their account, so that He, that God would be the just and the justifier, the one who declares not guilty, all who believe on Jesus. That's the gospel. Jesus demands a precise faith concerning His ability to save. Believe ye that I am able to do this? I am able. I indeed can save you, Jesus says, from your sins, from the wrath of God due to you for your sins. And an eternity of judgment because of your sins. I am able. He doesn't even say God generally. But he says, I, Jesus Christ. Right? That's what he's saying. I am able. Even though we know all three persons of the triune God are involved in the salvation of sinners. So faith must be in Christ as the one sent by the Father to accomplish redemption and to bear the guilt of sin. We must trust. You must trust in this Savior whom God from all eternity ordained and who was sent in the fullness of time, born of a woman under the law to redeem them that are under the law and the condemnation of the law. Our hope and our faith must be in Him. Not ourselves, but in Him. He is the Lamb of God. The sacrifice God appointed, God approved, God accepted, and we must trust in Him alone. Not some vague... I have faith in God. No, no, your faith must be in the God who sent His Son, delivered His Son over to be the Redeemer and Savior of sinners. Jesus said, Come unto Me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. And so we must come to God by Him. Right? John 14, Jesus saith unto Him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh to unto the Father but by Me. And so, today, do you see your need for coming to God through Jesus Christ? 
Because if you do not, then you're trying to come to God in any way that will, that, that, where you're trying to come to God that will never lead you to Him. You'll never be accepted. You'll never be approved. You'll never have peace with Him. It's Christ, the precise, specific Savior, the God-man, Redeemer that you need to save you from your sins and your guilt. You see how that's different from the one who says, well, Jesus is the Savior. No. Jesus is my Savior who saves me from my sin and my guilt because He died on the cross for me. And God sees and knows and will punish forever all sinners, you included, unless you are saved by this Jesus Christ, by coming to Him in faith. And Jesus Christ, as we've heard before, is ready to receive you today. He's ready to to deliver you from your sins. If you come to Jesus, friend, Jesus has promised, and we heard chapter 9 so far, He will receive you and you'll be accepted by Him and saved. He says to sinners, if you believe upon Me, upon Jesus Christ, if you believe upon Me, your sins will be taken away. Condemnation for those sins, taken away. And so it is here that He shows by His Word, His touching their eyes. And if they are believing, they will be healed. They were believing, and they were healed. In verse 29 it says, Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. They were believing, and they were healed. And that's the same today for our souls, and for their souls. By believing, you'll be healed. That He alone is able to do this. Yes, He is able to do this. Jesus says to you, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Hebrews 3, today if you, you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts. John 6, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. And so come to Him. Be encouraged, sinners, to come to Christ because if you come, you will be received and He won't cast you out. Come to Him today, right now, and He'll receive you. Children, come to Him today and He'll receive you. And He will not cast you out. A precise faith. And finally, the blessing of saving faith. The blessing of saving faith. Verse 30. When their eyes were opened... And Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. Their eyes were open. The mercy that they sought after from Jesus Christ, the mercy that He promised to grant them if they believed, they believed and the mercy was granted. The ability to believe is a saving blessing from God. John 6. This is the work of God that ye believe. On Him whom He has sent. It's the work of God. By grace you are saved through faith. And that a gift of God. Romans 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised them from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 
These are the blessings, friends. There are blessings, friends, for those who are saved. Of all the glorious blessings of believing unto salvation, of all the glorious blessings, justification is one of them. Justification, the blessing of being declared not guilty. The blessing of being declared righteous by God. Just as surely as these men were cured of their blindness following their faith in Christ Jesus, just as surely every sinner who trusts in Jesus Christ will receive the blessing of justification. They will be declared not guilty. And whom He called, he also, them He also justified. Romans 4, Abraham, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, what God had promised, what he, was, what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. There's justification. It was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written... For His sake alone that it was imputed to Him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed. If, how are we justified? If we believe on Him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised for our justification. Those who believe shall be justified. Those who believe shall be imputed, credited with His perfect righteousness and His imputed with our His being imputed with our condemnation due to us for our sins. There on the cross, He received the judgment against us for us. So God has provided righteousness. The righteousness we do not have. Rather, we are cursed under the covenant of works, but God, the great words in Ephesians 2 and other places, but God has provided righteousness in His Son Jesus Christ. And He... And that perfect righteousness this day is freely offered to you. You must only come believing on Him. Departing from every other thing you think can or believing can deliver you from your sins and give you salvation or give you joy, despairing in everything else and coming alone to Jesus Christ. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of David, that He is able to save you? And if you call upon Him alone and abandon all your foolish thoughts of making yourself acceptable before God, that if you believe on Christ alone to deliver you from the condemnation that you know you deserve by His hand because of your sin, that He will deliver you. Do you believe this? Has He not promised? And will He not also perform? Isaiah 1 says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Despair of yourself and hope in His Word, His promise. For what He promises, He is faithful to fulfill and keep. And now, Christian, your faith, evangelism, testifying the Gospel, we learn here at the end, must be regulated by the Word of God. Verse 30 again. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man knoweth. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad His fame in all that country. 
Christ, uh, excuse me, Christ frequently called those he performed miracles upon to temporarily suspend their making what he did known. As he does here. And no one can hide what Jesus did here. He did it in a crowd. They're glorious crowd, uh, the glorious miracles that are public like this. But he's asking these things frequently of those he healed so that a great uproar would not occur as to hinder his ministry while he was on the earth. These men, and, and many like them, did not do what Christ told them, as was often the case with the one so healed. They went abroad and told everybody, right? And we can understand their zeal. If we're a Christian, we can understand their zeal. They were blind and now they see. Wouldn't you tell someone? Wouldn't you tell everybody? I was blind, but now I can see. We want to go around and tell all of creation, right? And they were overjoyed. They wanted to speak, and that's right. That's right that they wanted to speak and to tell everybody and tell all of creation. That's how we all should feel as Christians. But we don't. We should all feel that way with a great zeal and passion to tell every single person that we ever meet that Jesus Christ is the Savior of sinners and He can save you. From your sin and condemnation, if you would only believe we have a zeal, we should have a zeal for that. Like these men. To spread His fame. Often it's the same with a new convert. Someone who believes on Jesus Christ for salvation, a sense of forgiveness, and they want to go tell everybody. But... Often there's a lack of direction from the Word in them because they don't really understand a lot of the Word. They just don't understand a little bit. Enough to be safe. Enough to believe on Christ. Sense of forgiveness. But there's a lack of direction from His Word. And the way that they go about spreading the Gospel truth. And some or most maybe more some, can understand that in our experience. As a new convert, you just want to go tell everybody, but you don't really know how to do it. You just do it, and you do it in any way you feel. These two went out, and they could do nothing but tell of Jesus Christ and what He did. But here they disobeyed His authority and wisdom. Does this mean that we should delay speaking of Christ today? No, it's not what's being taught here. It does mean that the desire to spread His truth should be done according to His Word. What He says, right? How do we evangelize? We go to His Word and we find out how to evangelize. How do we bear testimony of Christ and the Gospel? We go to His Word to find out how do we testify. How do we make disciples? We go to His Word and we find out how to make disciples. And we follow and obey what He says. And so it means here that evangelism done by the church, Christians, must be regulated by the Word. It's not just however you feel like doing it. The preaching ministry also must be regulated by His Word. 
how it ought to be done. It's regulated by the Word. The disciple-making must be that the same. Bearing testimony uh, of the truth joyfully, honestly, biblically, sincerely, ready to, ready to suffer shame and persecution for His name. Yes, you are to bear testimony zealously, more zealously than all of us have. We are to bear the testimony in this world today, like these two blind men who went out and did so. But we need to do it according to His Word. Friends, today you are come to come believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and His promise to you, all who would come to Him. And if you seek after Him, you will find Him. If you truly seek after Him, you will find Him. And He'll receive you. And He will not cast you out. And He says, Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus and thou shalt be saved. Let's pray. Our Father, we're thankful for Your Word once again. We're thankful You teach us Your ways. We're thankful that You teach us the Gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and that He is the God-Man, the Messiah, our Priest and King. And we're thankful as He speaks to us through His Word, through Your Word. He teaches us what is true. That we are totally depraved, unable to seek after You, but by Your grace You send Your Holy Spirit and Your Word and You change our hearts and You give us the grace to believe and You justify Your people who believe. And You adopt them into Your family. And You bless us with many blessings, even heavenly blessings in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we look forward not only to continue experiencing many of them now, but all of them in eternity to come. Lord, return the hearts of sinners today to You. And all those who are still in their sin to You. Today we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.